Welcome back to Rise and Thrive. This is Pastor Charlie Kinch. It is Friday, May 12th, 2023. And we are going to finish off this week uh, with finishing our topic called uh, Keeping Score or the lack thereof, Losing Count. Losing Count. And today we're going to talk about losing count of our failures. Losing count of our failures. We have a bad habit of either not forgetting them ourselves or having others constantly remind us of our failures. Now, don't get me wrong. Failing at something can be a stepping stone to something even greater, a learning experience. But there are certain failures that happen in our lives that we just need to move past them to just, you know, forget them. Uh, So we need to lose count of how many times we fail and what we fail over. Unless, you know, it is a learning experience. I mean, if someone were to call you Einstein, uh, most of the time they're implying that you're really smart or they're implying rather sarcastically it all depends on the tone of of their voice they're implying that you aren't smart um i'm sure we've all been called einstein at one point or another and it was probably said very sarcastically implying that you weren't very smart but throughout the last few decades The word Einstein is associated with intelligence and synonymous with being a genius in one way or another. Yet, it is a famous fact that the pioneer of the theory of general relativity, Albert Einstein himself, could not speak fluently until the age of nine until the age of nine and also his rebellious nature led him to expulsion from school and he was even refused admittance to the Zurich Polytechnic School Albert Einstein who so many uh, dignify as a genius Some may call these early setbacks uh, failures, yet they didn't stop him. They didn't stop Albert Einstein from winning the Nobel Prize in physics in 1921. After all, Einstein believed that success is failure in progress. Success is failure in progress. Think about this. Uh, failing in business in 1831, uh, suffering a nervous breakdown five years later in 1836, defeating, uh, in, uh, defeated in his run for presidency uh, 20 years uh, even after that in 1856, Abraham Lincoln was no stranger to rejection. He was no stranger to failure but rather than 
taking these signs as a motivation to surrender and just say, I give up. I'm not going to do this anymore. Abraham Lincoln refused to stop trying his best. He kept pushing. In fact, he once said, my great concern is not whether you have failed, but whether you are content with your failure. Now, we shouldn't be content in our failure. We should learn from them, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't lose count of them. Our lives are filled with failure. It's going to happen, happen to us. Uh, sometimes we win in life, sometimes we lose. Uh, nowadays, uh, in church life, in the church setting, we call these seasons of life. It's a very popular term because it's easy to think about the different seasons um, that we go through. Fall, winter, spring, summer. And we go through seasons of our life. Oh, again, another popular phrase in Christian lingo is mountaintop moments, the great moments of our life, or the low valleys <laughs> um, when we're at our lowest. Whatever you want to call it, sometimes we fail. We will fail, and sometimes we will succeed. But for some reason, we don't always remember all the good times. We don't always remember the successes. Because sometimes when we do that, others might think we are gloating. But for some reason, we constantly are reminded of our failures, either by ourselves or from others. But why do we have different names for what failures are? Why do we act like it's a bad thing when we fail? Like why do, there's no need to call it seasons of life or, or mountaintop moments or low valleys of life. We can just call it failure. It's not a bad thing to call something a failure. I mean, we act as if it's a bad thing so much so that we have to sprinkle the phrase uh, with rainbows and cotton candy-like fluff. We have trouble calling failure, failure. Because uh, we've been taught that failure is a bad thing. That's what our culture tells us. When we fail at something, whatever it is, we feel bad. Uh, hence, we don't want to ever fail again until the next time it happens because it will happen again but that's not the point though is it the point is our failure shouldn't matter actually our failure doesn't matter at least not to God our failure doesn't matter we must lose count of our failures and instead rest secure rest secure in God's grace and God's sovereignty that God forgets and God forgives 
Now, in order to lose count of failures, we must continually be reminding ourselves of God's daily deliverance of grace. God gives us new grace every day. If we look at uh, Psalm chapter 103, uh, specifically verse 11 to 13, on the surface, one might think that it's all about fear. Verse 11 in Psalm 103 talks about that so great is his love for those who fear him. And verse 13 says, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. We might think that this is all about fear. But sandwiched in between those two verses, in between verse 11 and in, verse, in between verse 13 is verse 12. I was in finance, uh, well, I should say in the banking industry. I know what comes in between 11 and 13. It's verse 12. And we forget in this scripture what verse 12 says. Verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. By definition, transgressions they are an act that goes against the law. It goes against rule. It goes against code of conduct. It's an offense. That's what a transgression is. One might say it's a type of failure. Because when you are offending someone, you're not doing something great. It, it could be a potential failure. There are those who fail to obey the rule of law or any type of code of conduct. This could be in a school or work setting, but transgressions are a form of failure. Whatever that failure or transgression is, as far as the East is from the West, God has removed them from us. God has taken them away. That's why he's able to give us grace so freely one of the many reasons not to mention that god is god and god can do whatever god wants but this passage from uh, the psalms demonstrates the kindness and grace of god toward his people in three different ways first we are given a comparison uh, with the abundance of god's love in a vertical expression a vertical one as high as the heavens are above the earth and we see this in verse 11 in psalm 103 secondly we we see that there's a horizontal expression of god's decisive grace in both space and time uh, a literal translation of as uh, far the east is from the west in verse 12 uh, it could be also described as as far as the rising sun is from the setting sun in this sense God's love transcends time and space and thirdly in regard to verse 11 and 13 we see God's enduring paternal love to the extent that God shows compassion to those who fear him. 
which is us, God's children. He shows compassion to us. In Isaiah, we, re, we, we receive a further window into God's character. Uh, that God not only loves us unconditionally, but also forgives us um, on account of God's own nature. He says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins God's forgiveness is not contingent on our character if it was we would all be you know I'm not going to say it but we would be in really bad trouble (laughs) I'll just say that we'll be in really bad trouble if it was based on our character But God's forgiveness is not contingent on our character. It's not contingent on our failure, but on God's character. As God is love, so God forgives and forgets our sin. Now, this is not to say that we should take sin lightly. We shouldn't purposely go sinning and committing failures on purpose. We should take sin seriously. As God is weary and burdened by our sin. But we can rest in God's forgiveness because of who God is. I believe it was about four years ago, maybe back in 2018 that I personally had made a choice to try something new every year. Uh, this could be, uh, well, this not, it was either a type of activity, a new hobby that I wanted to try, and I made a promise to myself to try something new every year and stick with it throughout that whole year. Uh, some of these things included learning how to ice skate, most recently, it was learning to play water polo. And I knew that going into it, I knew that I wouldn't be great at all of these things, either right away or at all. But I told myself I was going to keep trying. And in this experience, though it may have seemed trivial, I have grown to appreciate my shortcomings, things that I can't do, and I cut now myself a break and I give myself slack because I know I'm not going to be good at everything. I will fail at things and that's part of the pieces of my journey. Rather than expecting myself to always do well in whatever I'm doing or learning or trying, I embrace my humanness. When I trip and fall, I dust myself back up. I shrug my shoulders. I acknowledge that maybe I'm weak. Failure will happen. 
whether it's learning something new or failing in other facets of life. But I know even when I'm weak in those moments, God is strong and he lifts me up. Now, does this mean I have a half-hearted attitude about sin? No, it's actually the complete opposite. The acceptance of my failures, me accepting that I will fail no matter what they look like, and the grace that accompanies them, it makes me even more grateful. And I want to try even harder the next time, the next day, the next hour, the next minute of my life with God at the center. Even with uh, the more serious failures in life, maybe the kind that hurt our family members and our friends, when we do something that maybe lets them down or hurts them in other ways, there is always forgiveness. There's always grace from God. That doesn't mean there's not going to be repercussions from them. But there's still always grace. It can be easy to believe that we are forever out of God's favor when we fall, when we fail into sin. Or we may fear that our sins are being held against us maybe from family and friends that we've wronged. And maybe you even think that God's wrath is just going to be poured down upon us. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, oh, you don't, you don't want me coming into the church. Uh, it'll burn down. Because they think in their minds that they're that bad of a person. That's a horrible attitude and way to think. That's not a healthy way to think. But to believe this misunderstands God's character. It misunderstands Jesus' work on the cross. Because in the crucifixion, Christ paid a ransom for our sin. And we find forgiveness. In other words, God has lost count of our sin through the work of Jesus. So even when we fail, even when we fall, we must learn to accept the forgiveness of Christ that covers all parts of us, that has already been given to us. And we need to learn to live as people in and of grace. God's kindness should cause us to live a life of hope, not crippled by our past failures. So I, I encourage you, as you go about the rest of your day, whenever you're listening to this, the rest of your weekend, I encourage you to lose count. Lose count of your failures and rest secure in God's grace and sovereignty. Lose count of your righteousness and acts of right living and freely walk in the sanctifying grace of Jesus Christ. Lose count of maybe what your hand has given to others and to freely hold up open hands that gladly give and receive. Lose count of the offenses against you 
and forgive as Christ calls us to forgive. Stop keeping score of who owes you what we think God owes us and what we think we deserve. Stop keeping score. Lose count. This has been Rise and Thrive. Have a great weekend. We will see you next Monday.